Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie review podcast with filmstage.com as always i'm your host brian j rowan with me today we have michael snydell revving my engine right now yeah getting revved we also have bill graham Vroom. <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> and a special guest here today to talk ford v ferrari it's max coville how you doing i'm good how are you I'm, I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm doing well. You got your engine revved? <laughs> oh yeah, We're revved up and ready to go. RPMs just hitting the red line. <laughs> it, we're hitting seven thousand. Hell yeah! All right, why don't you tell <laughs> the people at home a little bit about yourself before we begin? Okay. Uh, yes, like it was mentioned at the top, I'm Max Colville. I am the co-host of the It's the Pitchers podcast. I have. Uh, I'm also a freelance journalist. My work has appeared on sites such as Polygon, Film School Rejects, Fandom, and more. Um, I, I've been a big fan of, of the Film Stage uh, website for a long time, so I'm happy to be on this show with you guys. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, hope you're not a fan of the physical layout of the Film Stage because uh, you know we're actually re- uh, we're redoing it. It's getting a, it's getting a facelift pretty soon. So you and everyone listening at home can look forward to that. It's going to be. We're awesome. allowed to put that out there, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no editorial oversight. Uh, I can do whatever right. I want. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, Fuck it. Anyway, um, we we yeah, see that, a peek under the hood, and it, it it's uh this the font shiny. is beautiful. <laughs> I know that much. And I'm not even being facetious. I am a font hound, and I like what we've chosen. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> give me a good serif. That's what I say. Uh, so, yeah, we're here to talk Ford v. Ferrari, the newest film from uh, James Mangold, who previously did uh, 510 to Yuma. 310? Th- uh, yeah, 310. Why 510? <laughs> the three t- 310 to Yuma. He also did The Wolverine and Logan. And uh, Walk the Line, amongst many other great films that I have enjoyed very much. So, uh, before we get into that, the usual stuff, find us on Twitter at Filmstage Show, Facebook, the Filmstage Show, emails, podcast, filmstage.com. And of course, go to iTunes, give us a comment and rating. Helps people find this podcast, helps us feel good about ourselves. And of course, you can go to patreon.com slash the Filmstage Show to become a patron of this podcast for as little as $1 an episode. You get access to our super cool Slack channel. First crack at all of our great, what are they called? Raffles? Raffles for all the movie stuff. <laughs> Someone the other day actually like reached out over the Slack channel to compliment us on how quickly they got their raffle good. Which, I guess it's true. I've never thought about it. When I win something in a raffle, it's usually like five months later I get it. And I'm like, oh, right. I won this at some point. But we care. I did think it was weird that Jordan just like sent the disc with nothing else, just in an envelope. Right, he, he won the DVD <laughs> and he was like, yeah, but you don't get the case. You don't get the little insert. I'm, by the way, keeping the digital download. It was a 
plain envelope. You have no with, digital rights to this. With three <laughs> stamps on it and no return address. <laughs> Held together with scotch tape. Oh, man. Oh, good. We drove that joke into the ground. Very happy about that. Um, and uh, of course, we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where I am so excited. Uh, every day, their their curators bring a brand new film. And a couple days ago, they brought a film that I love that most other people haven't even seen. It's by Michael Haneke, and it's Time of the Wolf. Anyone else seen this movie? No. <laughs> 2003, from the Austrian master of disaster himself. It's part of their Isabelle Huppert performance as Rebirth series. They've I know who got, that is. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> hopefully all know who Isabelle Huppert is. Uh, they also have Deep Water by Michelle DeVille. But for real, Time of the Wolf on Mubi. Watch it. It's great. If you like Hanukkah, it's such a Hanukkah movie. <laughs> Just do it. So um, it will make me hate humanity. Is, is that the kind of vibe? Fucking, yeah, one hundred percent. Who do you who do you think you're talking to right now? Yeah, <laughs> of course point. it will. Oh boy. Yeah, um, it's one of those. It's I, I don't want to say anything more about it. Uh, if you if you see <laughs> Time of the Wolf, reach out to me either on our Slack channel or DM me or whatever because I want to talk about this movie with a lot of people. Uh, meanwhile, if you're a fan of the artist, the movie that won the oscar for best picture over tree of life <laughs> the oss 117 series is coming to movie uh by michelle michelle Hazanavicious. um they've got oss 117 cairo nest of spies and oss 117 lost in rio so I yeah can't but notice they didn't mention the godard biopic <laughs> <laughs> You'd think that'd be a slam dunk for movie. Yep. yep. OSS 117. Um, anyway, so that's that. Uh, all those are available on movie and much, much more. Don't forget Honey Giver Among the Dogs, which has a friggin' awesome banner picture and an even better logline. So check that out for a free 30-day subscription to movie. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. And that's that. So now we can talk about Ford v. Ferrari. Again, the newest film from director James Mangold. Writing credits belong to Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, and Jason Keller. This movie stars Matt Damon, Christian Bale, John Bernthal, Katrina Balfe, and uh, Josh Lucas in perhaps the most Josh Lucasy Josh Lucas performance of a Josh Lucas character that has ever been Josh Lucas. Here is the trailer. How long have we known each other, Ken? I ever break a promise to you? I will put you in the driver's seat at Le Mans. You just shut your mouth and let me do my thing. All right. Morning, Shelby. Morning, Molly. Up yours. I'll go to hell. All right. So this movie, based on true events, is all about Ken Miles and uh, Shelby. <laughs> Carol Shelby 
trying to create a Ford car that can win at Le Mans, the 24-hour road race for sports cars against Ferrari. Uh, this bred basically off of a personal grudge by Henry Ford II. And uh, yeah, this is what we're here to talk about. So we'll begin with our spoiler-free basic thoughts. Of course, hard to spoil this movie uh, because, I don't know, it's history. <laughs> but there are some surprises in there if you don't know precisely what happened. And um, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's see what our thoughts were. So, Max Kova, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on Ford v. Ferrari? Yeah, when I, I saw it a few weeks ago, but um, when I saw it, I tell you, the log, the tagline, the like, logline that came right to my mind when I saw it was that your dad will surely love this movie. <laughs> and uh, I just, I, I, watching the movie, I felt like I, I needed to like call my father afterwards just because it's, it's that kind of movie where you have this like, it's just machismo, right? It's just Damon and Bale for most of the movie. I mean, like, sure. Exactly. Guys were guys and dames were dames and cars were fast and gas like, Exactly, because like Ken Miles, yeah, he has a wife, but she she's like in the background, like like what a lot of these old fashioned movies did in the day, and that's what this movie very much feels like. It doesn't feel like anything like reinventing the wheel, if you will. It's just like a solid film that you'll sit down, you'll enjoy. It will put, it will play on TNT for four hours on a Sunday, and you'll be like, that was a great time. <laughs> All right. Solid uh, recommendation, question mark. Uh, let's go to <laughs> Michael Snydell. What are your thoughts on Ford v. Ferrari? Uh, you know, I, I can say it's slick, it's competent, and I, I barely ever felt like this was anything more than perfunctory. Um, I, I know I'm in the vast minority on this one. I, I was kind of bored out of my skull for more than half this movie, honestly. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, it's totally fine. I I think Mangold, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, there was a lot of rumors that Michael Mann was going to do this at one time, although that's possible that I'm confusing that with his, uh, Enzo Ferrari (laughs) biopic, but at some point man was attached to this. And you know what? I don't even need man on this. I just need someone other than Mangold. And Mangold is are someone not- who I've liked a lot okay. in the past. I was about to say, my God, are you not a fan of Mangold? <laughs> no, I, I I think he does really interesting stuff. Everything from like Girl Interrupted to 310 to Yuma to Identity, which is, oh God, Identity. It's a terrible script, shit. but well-directed. <laughs> a bat shit movie. Yeah. And the, yeah, both Wolverines, Logan, just everything about this, just every beat just felt so tired to me. Everything about the performances just felt like that, just like that uh, metallic Oscar feeling. Um, yeah, I don't know. I th- Some of the races are cool to watch, and there's some nice nighttime photography. I, I got no love for this movie, though. <laughs> oh, Jesus, all right. Bill Graham, what are your thoughts on Ford v. Ferrari? <laughs> Uh, vroom vroom! I uh, really enjoyed this movie. Um, Thank yeah, you, James I, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I I really really dug this movie. Um, look, I, I'll make no bones about it. Uh, I am definitely a car guy. I definitely love all of this kind of uh, mythology around the GT40 specifically. Um, this whole Carol Shelby stuff really hits home. Um, you know, I, I live in Texas, and so uh, Shelby is, if I'm not mistaken, from the Arlington area. Um, he still has like a working facility down here. Uh, he's definitely a Texas boy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Does he have a certain <laughs> reputation in Texas, Bill? Not as anything more than just like a wonderful car oh, manufacturer. Yeah. The same yeah, reputation no. he has in literally the rest of the world. It's not like in Texas, they're like, everyone talks about no. the cars. What they don't talk yeah, about, yeah, no. great chili. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the, uh, he, he doesn't have a different reputation here. Uh, it's, it's just kind of one of those, it, it's really weird growing up, having heard of like the uh, Cobra Mustang uh, mm. and stuff like that, which like literally has like a, a signature on the uh, on the engine mount um, from Carol Shelby from each one of these. Now, granted, those are like stamped now, but you know it's one of those things where definitely like Shelby lives large in Texas, but still a lot of people don't even fucking understand that he's actually from Texas and still like has a plant here. Yeah, he was um, born in Leesburg, Texas. Yes, so he's definitely from these parts. Um, and still kind of looms large, but uh, not in the way that you would expect. Um, you know, I don't I don't hear a lot of friends like, that are into cars, like wanting to go visit his shops or anything like that. It's just he's it, it, it's one of those things where he's just kind of become synonymous with this area, I guess. And so people just don't seek him out anymore. Um, and I mean, of course, when granted, <clears throat> You have to understand what a a Mustang Cobra even is, especially when I was growing up, you know, when I was 16, 18 years old, um, those were fast line, straight line cars. They're not, they're not super sexy outside of like the quarter mile stuff. So they don't have the reputation that like the GT forties and stuff like this. Anyways, I'm getting really bogged down in <laughs> Carol Shelby shit. Um, let's talk about this movie. This movie is a lot of fun. I think that Bale brings a certain energy and emphasis to this film where he's just giving that second edge that a lot of actors just don't even bother having. Um, when he talks about the way that this car feels, the way that, you know, it's lifting at a hundred, 180 miles an hour and it's it wants to take off like an airplane you really feel like he understands what that means and that the character understands what that means and it gives you something as an audience member um i think bale is the heart and soul of this film second only to his son played in the, in this movie as well. Um, I think their dynamic is something critical to this film that really brings something special and interesting to it. Um, and I think the whole Lamar, 
uh, race series and all of that kind of leading up to it is really fascinating. The way that Mangold shoots these sequences is really thrilling. Um, even for someone that isn't necessarily a car guy, my fiance included, who could care less about cars, turns it on, drives away, happy, happy to go to work, right? Um, I am much more kind of detailed oriented and like love this shit. And I was able to kind of talk to her and, and get her feel. And she definitely understood like, and, and could appreciate like how brainy it is for a, a bail character like this, who's playing Ken miles to like be able to like understand what the car is feeling, sensing and do all this stuff. Right. It's high level shit that, like, if you're not a car geek, even still, this film will give you that kind of level of sense of detail um, that's really interesting. So I think this movie definitely highlights and upends, like, even people that aren't necessarily car people, um, it will give them something. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what your experience was, Mike. Um, that's unfortunate. But uh, I dug it through and through. Uh, I how how long is this film, y'all? Two and a half hours. Two and a half, half hours. Wow! I love yeah. how we each said that in a completely different way, and Michael sounded <laughs> yep. like someone was shoving bamboo shoots up his fingernails. <laughs> yeah. So this movie is long. If you know my reputation uh, with long movies, uh, I I gotta have it. Like you know, it's got to mean something to have that kind of length. And I think this film definitely succeeds in that in that regard. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I I'll end it at that. That it, it's it's a great film. I I can't wait to see it again uh, with some family. All right. Excellent. I watched The Irishman yesterday, and this felt twice as long to me. <laughs> uh, well, I want to interject just quickly. Bill, I'm glad you mentioned the, the racing part, because like, I never thought that I would be someone who would sit and watch a racing event, but I watched this, and like, I see the Le Mans race, and I'm like, man... Would I be a racing fan? Would I want to actually watch some of that? <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to tell you, you would not. Lama is incredibly boring. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a part in this movie where, um, what is it? Like the the son, you know, that that Bill brought up, uh, played by Noah Jupe, draws a map of Lamon, the the actual circuit, and he's please like, call it Lama, Lamon, <laughs> Lama. There's an N. I'm Ooh, already yeah. not pronouncing the <laughs> S. You can't make me not I know, pronounce. I know, Brian, but it's Lama. I'm going to call it Le Mans just to fuck you up now. Okay, that's fine. Okay, here's the thing, though. I feel like the French need to get their shit together. Because every time I listen to anyone pronounce anything, even the French, it's a whole goddamn thing. Like, the Cannes Film Festival, the Cannes Film Festival, Cannes Film Festival. And it's just like, sure, sure, no one sure. knows. In this movie, they say Le Mans 17 different ways. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think know. they went to someone who were like, how do you say it? And then they said it. And then they went to someone else and said, well, how do you say it? And then they probably went to the goddamn village. And everyone there had a different way to say it. Going back to <laughs> sure. when their family first landed in Le Mans. <laughs> anyway so that was me blowing up about something unnecessary 
It's all right. It's I all don't right. even remember what I was going to say. Oh, okay. So uh, the son is like, you know, I've made this so I can follow along. And then, you know, he's like, can you walk me through it? And Bale, as you were saying, Bill, very, his, he has like a secondhand nature of like being, or not a secondhand nature, like a, a really second nature way of talking about racing in this movie in a way where it's like, this isn't a guy who has like studied these lines. This is a man who lives this reality, which is mm-hmm. great because he can go big in movies. But in this movie, he he goes small when he's not like exploding. But I think like like you said, his his relationship with his family actually makes his curmudgeon character here a bit of a different type than you usually see because he doesn't Absolutely. bring that attitude home. And so it's interesting to see him be like, I can't keep doing this because I don't have the facility to deal with people. And so Uh I have to do something easier because I care about you and I want to take care of you. You know, he's the opposite of the Don Draper. Like I'm good at one thing and I can be an asshole because I'm a genius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, separate aside, Don Draper makes a shit ton of money, so you know, well, yeah, uh, yeah. That's he can be difficult because he makes a lot of money because people seek him out because he's a fucking genius, right? So and Ken Miles you know, is he, also a genius, but he doesn't have yes. that that lucky streak. He doesn't have the re- he doesn't have that reputation, that money behind it before he exactly. he got and, that way. Right? And so, he has this really abrasive personality. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, you know, we will we'll talk about more. But um, he's talking to his son about this this whole this whole thing, and he gets done talking about it, and then says, "And that's the first three minutes and fifty five seconds of a twenty four hour race, where you're just going around the same goddamn track over and over again, trying to be as close to perfect as you can each time in order to be the fastest." So one thing I want to I want to add one wrinkle for audience members and anybody else like watching this movie or just to pepper this review to understand this race a little bit more. So it's a 24 hour race. But what they don't tell you in this film is there are separate classes of vehicle racing this same race all at the same time. So. Nowadays, we have something called like the GT class. We have like um, the prototype class. We have all of these, like, I think it's like three or four different class of vehicles, which basically means they're all running in like three different races, but they're on the same grid. They're on the same racetrack at the same time. So sometimes in this film, you'll see cars like just haphazardly pass other vehicles and you're like wait is that even a competitor no they are not they are not competitors they're just fucking cars on the road they're racing on the road but they're not in your even in your class like they're racing for first place all themselves and so you don't really see it in this film which i think is kind of a shame but i, I mean look, it's two and a half hours the, the narrative Yes, but it is it is interesting to note that like when he passes vehicles or when you see a lot of like just vehicles all over the place, you have to understand that there are like two or three other classes of vehicles actually racing all at the same time. So when they pass cars, sometimes they're just going to be like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything because <laughs> they're not racing my race. So, yeah. So I think. You know, this is my general thoughts moment. And I think, you know, the fact that I just tried to explain one scene and had to go on three different tangents about how much, like, good craft is in this movie should give you an idea that I I quite enjoyed this movie. 
I um I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd when I first saw it, and the more I've thought about it, out I, of four, I think it's five on Letterboxd. Okay, and I think I might need yeah. to bump it up to four because I, the more I've thought about it, the more I really do like it. I've seen a lot of people say like one of the best of the year. I don't know that I'd go that far, but it's definitely a damn good movie, and I think that it's it's interesting because you walk in expecting this to be like. A kind of rah-rah, like, you know, Ford took down Ferrari, those friggin' arrogant Germans. Not Germans, <laughs> Italians. <laughs> and um, it's not. It's like about how Ford basically has no idea what they're doing. And it, it becomes a kind of uh, meditation on artists attempting to work within the capitalist system and trying to get away with doing what they can with the capital given to them by people who no matter what they say will always care more about profits and bureaucracy than actually creating something valuable and uh that's where that's where i would say a lot of the payoffs in this movie come from so yeah i really liked it i really loved it i don't know i don't know what michael saw (laughs) did we uh, not see midway We should have talked about Midway. That would have been funny as hell. But yeah, no, I really like this. So my, I mean, like, you know, Michael, listening to all of us talk, I'm not going to say well, but like highly of this movie. Is that driving you nuts? Like, are you, do you feel like you didn't see the same movie with us? No, I, I literally already forgot this movie. <laughs> I really, I really did. Like, I'm, I'm not mad about this movie. <laughs> I already kind of, I kind of had the movie I was mad about already this year. And I'm, I, I'm You've had like seven of them, mad. haven't you? No, nah, there was really only one. Let's be honest. Um, I literally don't know which one you're talking about. It's, you know, it could be the one that's as long as the fucking movie, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, uh, guys. I, I, I thought this was so tedious for like for the first hour and a half. I was really not feeling anything. And then I f- started feeling mild engagement and then I disengaged again. Um, I, I think Bale and Matt Damon are totally serviceable. Um, they never felt like, I, I don't, I don't know what you guys want from me today. Um, <laughs> shit, I'm, I'm on a podcast. This is fun. Um, I, I really was trying to think like during this movie and you guys know, I take notes every time. Yeah. Uh, I, I took four notes and one of them was this sucks. So I, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm. I found this an incredibly boring biopic. I, I thought the performances were incredibly plain. I, I think Mangold's stylism is barely there. Uh, I thought it hit every single fucking beat I thought it was going to hit. And I didn't find it entertaining. Like, I just wanted it to at any point like express anything differently about this story. And I think it, there's just like, there's no sense of grace notes there. The characterization is so much about this, like 
like I, I the on the racetrack stuff is just like this tedious exceptionalism stuff the art versus commerce thing that you guys are talking about in terms of ferrari and ford and ford just being you know layers of uh bureaucratic um uh inefficiency is like i, I didn't find it interesting because i thought josh lucas was truly terrible um like I, every time, like he's just he's he's pitched as like this bad guy foil from the beginning. Um, I thought Tracy Letts as Henry Ford II was also very much just playing that character every time he like grandstands for the camera. Like there, there's no part of this movie that felt. Uh, again, that didn't feel perfunctory to me. And I, I, th- this happens to me every year. There's a couple <laughs> Oscar, no, there's a couple Oscar rate films that just like, just go right past me. And yeah, but I uh, love that you positioned it as something that's happening to you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how would you prefer I uh, frame it? Just like this happens every year. It's just weird that you were like, God damn it. I mean, you know, being this inflicted <laughs> upon me. God damn. No, I just, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I wish I could see what you guys saw in this. I, I already had somebody in our Slack channel who got pretty mad at me about my opinion. Well, yeah. Cause you called it one. a nothing, which I is, do, I do think it's a nothing. I think it's a two and a half hours of nothing. I, I really got extremely little out of this experience. Um, and I'm all for a, uh, a, uh, you know, blockbuster crowd pleaser, but this just hit every beat a little too hard. All right. I would adore for someone else to jump in before I do. No, you guys. Well, let's Go let's ahead. examine what what you mean by you're all for a blockbuster crowd pleaser because uh, I would say that you have the reputation that you're not. <laughs> That's a I, solid point. I feel no, like I mean, there's there's a lot of like old fashioned uh, films that you guys are talking about that I really like. I love when someone like Zemeckis comes out with something new. I love, uh, solid. When okay, has Zemeckis come out with something that allied was- allied. I was the only one who liked <laughs> it on here. I don't think I didn't forget. We're in a weird reverse world. Yeah. Cause allied was not a great movie. Max Alex. Coville. What are your thoughts on allied? <laughs> the less said the better. Okay, great. <laughs> Cause that's a movie that I was like, uh, you, you talk about just like knowing where what every beat is going to be. Allied kept me guessing just because it was so dumb. Like there was so much bullshit yeah. that that movie packed in. And I was expecting like a streamlined paranoid thriller. And that movie was just spoilers for Allied. Like, let's just take a four hour jaunt to France and do a raid on a Nazi compound to see if we can figure this out. And it's like, Brad Pitt, why don't you just chill the fuck out? This movie, mm-hmm. I feel like, is, it, you know, like I said, it, it's hard to spoil because, like, history and the way things go. But I don't know. There was, like, a level of just meat and potatoes, good time having just solid filmmaking that I really liked. And everyone is bringing just enough extra to make it more than, like, I don't know. Competent? 
I was I was trying to think of a movie that's just like the like a piece of cardboard that you chew on, you know, <laughs> like We Are Marshall or something. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I, when I was first learning about this movie, some people were comparing it to like the sound design of like the right stuff, right? Because it has this like really revving cars and you have them going out with a racetrack and all that. And yes, the sound design is spectacular, I believe. And uh, if, if you had a chance to see it in a, in a really good theater, maybe it would bring you something else. I mean, Michael, did you have a chance to see it in a good theater? I did. I did. It was, it was a good theater. Um, is this <sighs> where you saw that in HDR or the high, high frame rate? No, this is not. Um, Yeah, I'm struggling to think of any uh, old fashioned pictures, which is really, really helping my my point here. Um, We we get things like this every year. Like I I, I could point to uh, I I could I know I could go through my letterbox for for 2017, for 2018, for 2016. And we get these like straight ahead meat and potatoes blockbusters that get awards traction every year and this one felt even uh less meaty than than those it's not even like i again it's not even like it was all cartilage or something it was just it was just a a bad piece of meat that i don't i i didn't find anything to enjoy about well you, well, you say we've seen like a lot of these types of movies before, but how many more of these movies are we going to see in the future, right? This is a movie here that's not based on a franchise. It doesn't have like any book that's about it. Um, it doesn't have any interest in like making a sequel. It's, it's pretty yeah. much standalone. So it's just like how many of these do we really see in the movie theaters all the time now? It's just <laughs> – Well, uh, I, to that point though, I will say and counter with uh, the, the title – the IP is in the title, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. I mean, that that will draw a certain amount of people, just period, right? And then you start adding in Christian Bale and Matt Damon, and all of a sudden that will add more people, and then maybe you add James Mangold to the mix, and that will add more people, and then you add the awards mix, and that will add more people. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if this film does fairly well for a non-IP film, but I definitely think, you know, uh, I think you're selling it a little bit short based on like, okay, you know, we have biopics and stuff like that about um, the guy that created the computer. And I I mean, versus this where it's like, oh, yeah, no, car car movie, Uh, 24 hour at... Lamont, Lamar, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, and Christian Bale and Matt Damon, and all of a sudden you're just like, oh fuck yeah, you know, you you raise the hackles of a lot of red blooded Americans, right? And it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, I will go see that, right? Um, versus what, what's what's the movie about the guy that created computer? What it what, what is the that? Imitation, imitation game? game? Yeah, oh, yeah, that like that's that's <laughs> well, but like that movie's not going to draw a huge audience, right? And I'm sure the uh, production budgets between those two these two films uh, probably reflects that. But yeah, I think I think in this rare case, I think the IP is in the title, right? But but sure. this was still a, this was still a 
interesting movie because this was one of the movies that Disney picked up from Fox when they bought the deal. And they, oh they, yeah, well it, it got moved in in its release date. I think it was supposed to release in like August or something like that. I think uh, it was early on in my uh, most anticipated films for the uh, for the summer, and uh, I remember. Right after the Disney merger, I was just like, "Oh shit, um, okay, this is not no longer <laughs> releasing in in summer." So you know, I'm sure they probably didn't fucking do anything with this movie. That it was probably just done, and they were just like, "Okay, cool, we're gonna move it towards award season." Right, I we guess. don't want to step on all of our big summer things, so we'll just flop it on over to the fall and hope that you know, dads go see it sure. during Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, like to speak of, I, I now while we were talking, I was able to look up a few things. Like I, I, I put this in line with something like uh, Battle of the Sexes from 2017. Uh, last year, I mean, you you could also go with uh, the on the basis of sex. I, I just found this a very dry biopic that that never um, deviated enough or added a sense of that extra that you guys are talking about. Like I didn't feel that extra. Um, like I, like I said, like, I think we get these every year and I think this slots perfectly in. It's like a perfectly fine movie that, yeah, like uh, if we're going to like stereotype it, that uh, dads are going to like it. Like, yeah, they probably will, but that doesn't mean that it's like, I have to think it's like a meaningful biopic or something. Like you know I, I find it I just really weird. I'm a dad <laughs> and I liked this movie. And Max, you are a dad. Yes, I am. And you liked this movie. Bill's yep. not a dad. So I have a dog. Bill, don't even try to pull that shit with two men who have human children. <laughs> <laughs> right now it is a puppy, so it's 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 a little similar. You're not the unlucky in love sorority sister from college who still hangs around who we all like, you know, just give some level of credit to because you've had it really hard and you just adopted your second cat and we're going to let you call that a child. Like, that's not how things roll on this podcast. You have a human infant. I'm a dog dad. I'm no. a dog dad. <laughs> not how it works. I, I, I got three more, too, uh, that's in line with this for me. Eddie the Eagle, Race, and uh, The Infiltrator. Like Jesus Christ, I haven't seen any of these what, fucking movies. What are those Nick words five. that you just said? They are all biopics. <laughs> all biopics that I find extremely unmemorable. I think this you, is in that do you list. consider this a biopic, though? Yes. I, I don't really. Yes, absolutely. This is not a biopic in, in the least. Okay, guys. Who is it a biopic of? It's a biopic the about GT40? Shelby and Miles. But like, it doesn't give... It, it doesn't chart... No, I, 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 I firmly disagree with what you just said. It's not biographical. Guys, why am I doing this? Just talk about the fucking movie. Like, I don't <laughs> care. I, I agree with Max that this, to me, feels like a, a movie that's on the verge of extinction. Um, I feel like, I feel like Disney was casting this one off. I, I think they're hoping to burn all of the Fox stuff that they had. So they can get back to making them sweet, sweet marvels. And, you know, my hope is that now that they've realized that you can't put out a Star Wars every year, that we're going to get more of these. <laughs> like, I'm glad <laughs> sure. they finally got that through their head. 
Um, but I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it's possible. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I know that there are like the handsomely made kind of pointless biopics and just, you know, st- and, and things like that. But this doesn't strike me like that at all. And maybe it's just because I'm a whore for Mangold. But I, I just, I don't feel the same kind of just walking through the motions thing. Like, you know, just just in Bale's performance, just in the way, like I said, that he modulates his his professional and his family life. It all just feels a little more real and a little more meaningful than than you put it out there i i agree that like if there's a part of this movie that feels like it belongs in a different movie it is josh lucas in just how (laughs) mean he is and how unwilling to forgive he's kevin costner in hidden figures level of (laughs) cartoony in this but like like but yeah but like kevin costner was cartoonishly good and this is cartoonishly evil it's just yeah the most insane like no matter what happens he's just like yeah but like what it like hey boss like what if we didn't give it to the best guy like what if we <laughs> just because i don't like him because he said four bad words to me once like you know i just don't and i i'm sure that there i actually i work in a corporate environment i know that there's people like that who will take like one bad impression and never ever let anyone forget about it But it's one of those things that I can barely handle being a reality in my own life. And I just am not cool with it showing up in movies. And it's not like he's any more crazy than the people I know who do that stuff. But it just it's so unreal that it happens to me at all (laughs) that it becomes even more unreal that it happens in a movie. Because I'm like, aren't movies supposed to be slightly better than reality? I I will say I don't think you're giving the Josh Lucas uh, character enough credit because what his main issue is is the entire reason that Ken Miles isn't like a household name now. Um, so you know, there's there's something in that. Um, I think we would have to kind of open this up to a more uh, broader discussion and maybe get into spoilers at that point to really kind of tackle that kind of task, though. Um, and I'm, honestly, you know, you've mentioned what even is spoilers. I feel like that's a, that's a very fine line in this film because you can definitely spoil this film um, because as much as it is history, it's a history that a lot of people don't really know or understand. So there's definitely some, you know, ignorance is bliss on the mass part of audience members when it comes to this. Um you know, again, Ken Miles is definitely not a name that I necessarily remembered um, before it, watching this movie. So but it's miles per hour, Bill. Uh, oh, Jesus. Right, you, yeah, we, we decided to measure <laughs> <laughs> the entire imperial system was built on Ken Miles's. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Two and a half hours and that's what you give me. Okay. Okay. That's one of the more solid <laughs> shitty jokes we've ever created, though. <laughs> I also, Golf like, I understand Golf. that, like, you know, the, 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 the supportive or concerned wife at home is a real stereotype. But I think that there's, like, one or two scenes that, like, help to push this beyond just, like, a why didn't they just, like, cut her <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> I did it. She does get one scene when, when like they're the, they're talking about getting together and she's driving in the car and yeah. 
<laughs> that's one of them and then when she shows up when the first for the first Lamont when she knows that he got left behind and that he's probably sulking mm-hmm. and um she like you know doesn't really do anything doesn't like try to like cheer him up she just like is there for him and then they end up dancing together and having a nice time and then also i just like when she she takes the folding chair outside to watch them beat the shit out of each other because she knows <laughs> that at the end of that they're gonna need some help Mm-hmm. she existed for me only as a person who cares about her husband i never felt like she had a person i never felt like she had desires or interests or characteristics that existed outside of her support of her husband all the things you just mentioned are she's entirely defined by supporting her husband well but in an interesting similar way carol shelby is entirely defined by wanting to build a race car i know know? and he's not interesting to me either (laughs) (laughs) okay well i don't know i i don't know i kind of like that i i i enjoy a movie that just like sometimes i don't fucking need 28 subplots about people's bullshit you know like would you have preferred if matt damon had a scene where he like did some stupid ship in a bottle bullshit so that you knew that the cars weren't the only thing that mattered to him. No, I mean, we know no. that he misses driving. We know that he has a heart defect. We know that he cares about Ken and that he like is try. He knows that this man is an artist that will never get any kind of recognition, yes. but he deserves it. And so he will drag him behind his own success to try to give that to him so that the world will know how good he is because and exactly, so these people I've driving is as good as as other as other things. But like, again, I, oh, I find Michael. Like, what, what haven't you, what haven't you seen in in No, film? come on, guys. literally Look, everything in the said. lighthouse. From me. That's what you said. That's what you said. I've seen this before. No, I've seen every second of this before. There was nothing in this movie that felt in any way original to me. In any way interesting. Like, you guys keep coming at me with this. This is what I got for you today. <laughs> I mean, I I, I am shocked by that, but I'm not going to, like, shout at you. But I, there is a part of me that's like, I don't like if. Yeah, it's just that type of thing where it's like, I don't know if I'm looking at a rainbow you're and you're just like, hey, it's just fucking water molecules reflecting sunlight. It's not that interesting. And I can't be like, but it's a <laughs> rainbow. You know, I just I'm not going to make you see it. And that's fine. Fuck the rainbow. (laughs) First of all, the first X-rated commercial for Skittles ever. (laughs) Are you kidding? Some of those are already pretty. Yeah. Pretty weird. (laughs) Okay. So. (laughs) Yeah. No. Please. Max. Yes. I don't know. (laughs) What are you? I just felt like I thought I remembered you were about to say something before Michael exploded. I don't know. Well, like to to that statement, like I guess in general, I, okay. I promise I'm not doing this on purpose, but to bring up Triple Nine, <laughs> I am. Um, I'm gonna murder you. <laughs> I remember when we were talking about that movie. Um, a similar a similar thing was said about that. Like, why do we need another movie about men robbing banks and like cops being bad and all this other stuff? Like. Do you just is that is it like an ineffable quality that you find makes these things even if we repeat them still good, or is it the newness of it, like just seeing different characters in it? Like, what do you think puts this 
above just being another retread for you? Well, for for me, how, yeah. how this? All right, like how is it not another retread? I, I mean, like what Michael was going on about, like saying like we've seen these type of movies, and it's all made me think. Yeah, you could even go as far as to say like um, last year, or the year before, as I can't really remember that far, is uh, the first man movie, right? Damien Chazelle's movie is very much mm. like going through the rhythms, and um, it, it's a it's a it's a nice way to look at it, and you have a lot of great set piece scenes similar to Ford v Ferrari. But and I just thought that Ford v Ferrari lets us in a little bit more. I mean, we can argue that the wife character isn't really involved, but there's a really big relationship here between Ken Miles and Carol Shelby that um, carries the film, and it's like their buddy buddy attitude. I I don't know, like you you, you mentioned them fighting outside earlier and that scene alone is just like it's great and you know that these guys are such good friends that they're gonna reconcile their differences afterwards and i think that it's that extra edge of of just like the craft and everything that went into this movie as well as bale's character that really made it rise above something that i just would have otherwise said oh yeah this is just a fine movie i i felt myself really engaged by ford v ferrari and um, you know, otherwise it would just be the type of movie that we, we'd write off and say, we, we don't, we don't need another biopic like this, but I, th- I think it rises above, uh, those classical definitions or even like being like being like one note. And to your point about whether or not this is a traditional biopic. Yeah. We, we pick up miles, uh, Ken miles when he is on the lower circuit and he's, and he's getting by and he, he's a talent, but he, he, he has an attitude, but we don't like get to see too much of his early life. And it's a very small sampling, right? It's, it's more about these guys coming together to make this one mission of creating this car that will beat Ferrari. It's like, the the commonality you mentioned earlier with the art versus commerce and how they want to build this mighty car and Ford isn't necessarily interested in that. They're more interested in just winning this one race and then maybe going back into the norm and selling cars. So there's a little bit more here than just the surface level. Yes, this is Ken Miles' life and this is what he did and this is what happened. I mean, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I find it interesting that like there there is that kind of that question of like why do we keep needing to make these? Why do people keep going to see them? You know, as with me in Triple Nine, as with this, you know, movie and and everything that Michael said about it. There's just I don't know. There's a comfort in it. Why why like I like the first hamburger I eat that doesn't mean I'm only ever going to eat that hamburger. Like there's always room for improvement. There's always room for refining. And I just I find this one to have refined enough to be to be good. And there's obviously more comfort in this than something even like another Terminator movie, right? Because we saw how that went over and (laughs) people didn't find comfort in that. So you're missing you're missing. I I like good hamburger, Brian. I really do (laughs) like a good hamburger. I don't think this is a good hamburger. (laughs) I guess that's the that's that's, that's why I kind of shied away from just like general quality. But you saying like, you know, we get all these all the time. Like I wanted to look into that, but. We get these all the time that are this boring, that are this plain. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying something about the quality, not about 
the the templates like and you said you'd seen everything before i mean like i'm just trying to i'm trying to find ways to talk around (laughs) your criticisms without actively attacking you specifically does that make sense like to try to investigate why it maybe bothered you but it didn't bother us without just saying well yeah, Michael. What what do you what about it now? <laughs> but 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 then, Michael, at the beginning, you had said like maybe if uh, Man had directed this film, maybe you'd see something different in it. Do you think that there's still a way to make this film, but make it interesting as far as you're concerned, or do you think that just this basic template would make it so that you would generally be uninterested in it? Uh, absolutely. I I think that I I mean I'm not going to say. That it would simply only be man. I mean, I just think that Mangold's approach to this was the most straight ahead thing. I didn't feel the sense of mystique that we, we were talking about when, you know, Miles, for instance, is on the road, the sensations he's talking about. All of those felt so rehearsed to me. And, you know, even as they were like vaguely similar to something like someone. I guess I'll go back to man, like something that a man character would talk about, like a a sense of adrenaline or the sense of satisfaction they get in their job. Like those are are things where like I could see echoes of something where someone would try something differently with these characters where they would push any of these archetypes past the, uh, the places where they were going. And I, I didn't, I didn't feel that I didn't see that. And I kept waiting for any deviation from, uh, from the style. Like it, it was just, it was, I don't know. It's, it, it's just very weird going to that literally the day after the Irishman. Like, it was, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to go back to that. Like, and seeing that, as a movie that I felt like in literally every scene is elevated and working on multiple layers. And I, they're totally different movies. Like this is, this is a terrible comparison. Um, I'm very good at movie criticism. Um, (laughs) It's, but no, I, I really do feel in almost any other person's hands, this would have felt it would have either got more into process like that thing that the, the uh, detail that Bill mentioned about the Lama Lama. Is that right? Lama. Let's just call it Lama and then we'll call it Lama and then we'll call it L just keep hacking away letters. I I can do this bit. Let's do this Uh, with the, the La race Um, (laughs) with there being uh, different car types or like uh, uh, Bill used a different term class. Class. Thank you. Um, Like that stuff. I would have so appreciated that stuff because I, the, the closest this came to really engaging me is in some of the more, involved things that miles is doing while driving the car. Like when, for instance, he would go on a test ride and be like, you know, the, um, good thing I can remember specifics. Like uh, sure, at a hundred way too hot. Yes. Yeah. At 180 miles an hour, it wants to take off like a, like a rocket ship, right? Like, yeah. uh, yeah, it's was- got lift at this angle or that the brakes are running hot or that, you know, the gearbox wants to crunch in, in 
uh, you know, second gear or third gear is ratioed up way too high. All of that kind of nerdy, nerdy bullshit. I wanted more of that and less of uh, Carol uh, glowering at Enzo Ferrari. (laughs) <laughs> there, there's a there's another scene in, in your point michael that is like when they tape like paper onto the car to yes. check, check its wind speed that that yeah, was, that was uh, pretty cool but see, well, I, I did my enjoy concern that would be getting too I, too labored in that like i like the fact that we're we're looking at some human beings on the side you know okay enzo is not a human being but this, that's he, he's not honest. a human being he's the guy who is forcing the two human beings in the story to be their most human I, I I agree I like, with like like Enzo Ferrari in this film comes off as a bit of a, of a foil more than he probably should. But this is but also a guy that point of bank- view. like we're only it, seeing him yes. from the eyes of all the characters we're actually following. So unless he were to walk over and say, hello, my name is Enzo Ferrari. I have 17 grandchildren. I really like, you know, La Ventura. Do you want to hang out for a bit? Like no, there's no need to get more but- information about him. Oh, hold on. Hold on, Brian. But I think this film does it does point out the fact that he has basically bankrupted his own company. Right. So that is definitely a a feature of his characteristic of his biography that cannot be avoided, that cannot be you know, uh, brushed under the rug of even why he would accept forward to even take this kind of call right like why would he even allow ford on the footsteps of his facility you know like that should be just a no-brainer no like you no i'm 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 a italian hand-built sports car manufacturer what the fuck are you doing over here like you don't get to buy me you know um but Guess what? When you're bankrupt, uh, you start realizing maybe there's a different way, (laughs) you know? Um, So that's why his characteristic is what it is. So, yes, it is a little uh, not fleshed out, but it is in a way kind of true to some aspects of his characteristic that is true in real life right and i think i think his whole point of being an italian sports car hand-built manufacturer is very realistic because guess what everybody else around him except for maybe lamborghini and land rover at this time were moving to automation he was one of the last few holdouts on that kind of stuff so yeah his thinking is going to be a little bit old school and his presentation and you know, just him in general is probably going to be a little bit more old school than anything else that this film kind of can throw at you. And unfortunately, in two and a half hours, when it's focusing on the Ford versus Ferrari versus Ferrari versus Ford, yeah, we're going to get that kind of story. You know, it's going to have that kind of bent. So I, I know, but I think the thing that you're reading is old school. I'm reading is lazy. I, I, I think that this the script in this is is lazy i i I, you know when you're talking about enzo ferrari and you're saying like what you were saying is far more interesting to me and even that little bit of subtext i guess it's not subtext what what even though we knew that he uh sorry he bankrupted his company trying to be the best at racing in the world like that 
is far more interesting to me than the mugging that those characters are ultimately like uh ultimately land as for me whether you're talking about enzo ferrari whether you're talking about henry for the second like those felt so simplistic to me and even as they're on the fringe they're just another thing in this movie that just felt so totally serviceable and there was nothing there's so few moments i can point out that felt above that serviceable to me and obviously we're just going to disagree about this but like i i it, it was there is another version of this movie that I can imagine that I think would be far more interesting. And I think we deserve better than this. Would it be three and a half hours and premiere on Netflix in a no. couple of weeks? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, it doesn't have to be three and a half hours. It doesn't have to be two and a half hours. I, there's oh, the amount of fat on this movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. Whatever. It doesn't yeah. Okay. Um, I, that's, that's it. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm truly floored because that you're asking for more process stuff because I saw this movie and I was like I think Michael's gonna like this because it doesn't have a lot of process stuff in it. But that's exactly because what I, I liked about First Man. I, like if we plot twist, I liked First Man way yeah, first, more than this. Movie. First Man was a fucking piece of garbage. Um, <laughs> oh, and maybe but that's there we it. go. Here's maybe Brian. The, maybe that's <laughs> it. Maybe I like my movies about people doing things to be about the people, and you just it's like to see things person. happen. It's not about oh, people, here's, here's, no. here's, a, here's a crazy thing. I like both movies. How about that? There's Bill, our Bill fulcrum upon which we balance. Uh, I don't know. First Man was sanctimonious bullshit, and this movie is like actually a fun, interesting look at like people trying to operate within a system and, and get something done. And I, you know, I guess it's where we can just decide to be in the spoiler section now, because again, it's not like this movie has major plot twists or anything. So spoilers, if you're still with us and we're waiting for that, um, you know, Ken Miles doesn't get to win because fucking Josh Lucas as Josh Lucas says, <laughs> you know, hey, wouldn't it be great if we aligned them all up and went across the finish line and everyone agrees and Shelby says, hey, Ken, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but this is what they want. You know, maybe be a team player. And Ken, having proven to himself how good he is, decides to be a team player and plays along and does what the, the man fucking wants him to. And then he gets screwed for it because because the guy in second started further back he technically gets to win because they add that fucking meters on and then he uh and then he dies mm-hmm. yep yeah <laughs> it sucks it's it's not great i uh i was really fucking furious maybe one of the reasons that i only rated this a three and a half is because i was like that is a deeply depressing infuriating way to end a movie but then i looked it up and i'm like nope all of that really fucking happened Yep. And um, so now I just get to be bad at reality and just like, I guess it's it to me, it shows how effective the movie that was that I now wish that I had known about Ken Miles earlier so I could be angry about this for a longer amount of time because it seems very <laughs> unfair for him. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, it was set up like like you said in the movie that it was going to be like a pr- promotional thing. And uh, uh, but it's built up to this point that Ken Miles is not a very 
good team player. And that and that's why this Josh Lucas character, as you would put it, is uh, um, very upset and, and doesn't like Ken Miles because he doesn't think he's a good face for Ford. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just really unfortunate. It's like the one time Miles decides that, yeah, I'm going to be a team player. and Maybe this is good for the rest of my career or my life. And he he. he he has money trouble, though, which we we haven't talked about much during this conversation. Where um, his garage is under a lot of trouble, and he's just like going from job to job. And working with Ford and with uh, Carol Shelby is a big deal for his family and himself. Yeah. Well, and and specifically, one of the reasons that his garage is not doing particularly well is because he does not have a. Uh, a good filter. Yeah, um, he's talking to a guy who has a sports car, and he's like, "You're shifting it two thousand, you fucking ponce. Like you should go, you got to be up in the five area. It's sports car, and you're driving it like a minivan." Oh, yes. Michael, you were right. There is going to be a Ken Miles impression. <laughs> yep, that, that was not it. very good. But it wasn't great. Yes. No, I wasn't really trying. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, he he basically tells the guy that he's shifting like a granny, and that doesn't help sell his. Um, you know, uh, look. Um, if it's you repeat business to- and referrals, and he's not getting much yes. of either. Yes, um, it's it's a small time shop. Uh, he doesn't work on Ford motor vehicles. He works on like MGs and and uh, sports cars and shit like that. So um, very high end uh, models that are not going to uh, repeat as a customer because uh, they definitely have a word of mouth influence that, um, you know, if you piss off just an average consumer, maybe, maybe they just go away. But uh, you know, um, people that expect certain things and don't get them uh, usually raise a lot of fuss. (laughs) So there's that. Um, But yeah, I mean, even in the racing world, he also pisses off a lot of, um, you know, manufacturers, uh, Porsche was interested in maybe having him as a driver at some point, And he kind of pisses them off. Um, you know, he has feuds with, uh, race, uh, regulations, uh, regulation referees, I guess. What well, I don't know what the fuck to call those people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the rules people on, on the race cars themselves, uh, he has feuds with them. So it's just like on down the line, he does not have a filter. And so I think, you know, y- y'all have termed Josh Lucas a little bit as kind of this, this one-sided um, eh, evil person in this film. And I would agree with that largely, except for the fact that he keeps pointing at Ken miles and being like, yeah, but can you trust him not to say something bad about, forward as a company if we lose a race or something like that and his point is look if a million people are watching this race and he bad ford while racing a ford that's not going to be very good for ford and i certainly understand that now does that mean that that's a good reason not to win a race that you're trying to use to then benefit Ford as a company, I think there's a there's a push and a pull that Carol Shelby is in the middle of in this film where he's like, look, I understand he's a risk, but if you're trying to win the race, right, you got to take the risk because otherwise <clears throat> you're just going to have 
second place or third place or not finish because this guy understands the car better than anybody else in here. And so he's the one that's going to help us win this race because as much money as they're pouring into it, one thing that this film does really well is it showcases the fact that Ford, even though they had carte blanche to basically dump funds into this race and into this vehicle, it still was not a perfect vehicle, you know, um, it, Right, it was the best that Carroll Shelby and Ford could do, not necessarily uh, a Ferrari. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it it is what they could manage at the time, given the constraints that they were under and the time crunch. So you know the the fact that within three races they ended up winning the damn thing is uh, fairly pr- impressive. So yeah. I mean, I, I think we're forgetting like one other character because he's largely forgettable other than setting up the events of the actual movie. And that's like John Bernthal playing Lee Iacocca. And he actually just like he gets into Ford and tries to make it so that it's a more uh, it's selling it's selling more cars. Right. So they, yeah. they try to go through a lot of uh, different ideas to sell more cars. And he comes up with the idea that if they were to win Le Mans, then, then they would uh, sell more cars and so it's almost like he gets into this like making this feud between ford and ferrari and um he sets up the motion of this and then you know he just stands in the background and smiles for most of the film yeah <laughs> that's that's unfortunate as well and you know i i think the the guy that plays the mechanic for most of this film i think he he is a really special character in this film's kind of structure and the way that he kind of balances even shelby um and what shelby is doing and trying to accomplish in this film um i think his character is is pretty interesting as well so um yeah now, now, Brian, were, were there other particular scenes that stood out for you during the course of this film? In 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 what specific way? Because like 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 big standout scenes. I know we've talked about uh, some of the things like the, the fight between um, I mean, Miles whole, and Shelby on the lawn, and yeah, I mean everything with her that I mentioned previously. Um, I think the the moment where <sighs> Ken is explaining to his son about the track. I think uh, when he is with his son and they're kind of staring off at the distance, he's like, out there is one perfect lap. Most people (laughs) can't even see it. Um, And then I would say like the entire final race is just like, uh, just a, it's a free, like, you know, Michael, I know you said you were bored at your skill, but like from the moment that like they land in Le Mans, then (laughs) I was on, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like really looking forward to it. And I loved all the racing, and I loved the little interstitials of of, of Carol Shelby fucking with the Ferrari pit crew. Yes, just tossing stuff. a lug nut down, and then watching them go like, "Where the hell did this come from?" Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, god, we're stealing their stopwatches. And- yeah, it was just good times. I also the uh, what is it, Lee, Leo Beebe, uh, Josh Lucas's mm-hmm. character. Yeah, when Maybe. he goes to like take the chalk out to be like, "Hey man, slow down." And uh, and and Carol's like, no, no fucking way. And when the kid on Lamont is about to do the same thing because he got the call and he just turns and he's like, you put that up. You take your life in your own hands. Like moments mm-hmm. like that. I, I really I really enjoyed. I really liked. 
I liked so, um, the first uh, crash, the one that didn't kill Ken Miles. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess like going on to the crash, there, I saw there was a little interest online again, like how it minimizes Molly Miles' character is that when Carol Shelby at the end of the movie is going to go visit them. And I believe he's returning a wrench that he held on to yeah. from the beginning of the film. And um, he doesn't actually go up to the house and see um, Ken Miles' widow. He just talks to his son and um, sort of delivers this, his his thoughts or whatever to the son. And, you know, it's just like so much like, Molly is still <laughs> just sitting in the back there. Her her role has ended now that she is no longer the wife of Ken Miles. Well, I think, to, you know, my personal thought is like, it's easier for him to talk to this child who he knows at least he has some, some connection with on that level than it is to like go and apologize to the woman who's, who you've made a widow. You know, I, I, I kind of, and he wasn't even going to do that. The kid just fucking snuck up on him, you know? Sure. So there's a little bit of that in there, um, you know, but I can understand that. But I, I think there's something perhaps a little more touching about like that woman knew everything she needed to know about her husband. But that kid will always wonder what aspects of his father's life he is missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they do uh, they do foreshadow it. They say that there's a conversation after the first accident. And they're like, oh, well, as long as the guys get out of the car, they're usually fine. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was actually going to come back when they had to hammer the door shut. Mm. Like I thought the kid yeah, was going to be like, "Oh no, they yeah, hammered well, the door shut," which apparently is a real thing that happened. Mm-hmm. I like well, I, I also, went and did some research on this because I was like, "There's a lot of stuff in here that I just don't know about." And then they, I was all real. I was like, "Oh shit, that's interesting." Yeah. Well, I, I was expecting them to have a little bit more trouble to uh, open that door after he hammered it shut, but uh, apparently he was able to just kind of casually open it. So yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, the the guy is uh, the mechanic is Phil Remington, played by Ray, Ray McKinnon, McKinnon which, the creator yeah. of Rectify. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Which is a great so. show that everyone should check out. He was also the Reverend on Deadwood. Mm-hmm. I cannot read Corinthians without thinking of him screaming at pedal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rectify is great. Yeah, rectify. That, that's not where the screaming at a horse comes from. But no, rectify is a great show. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyone else have any any other thoughts about this movie? Any any scenes in particular they want to highlight before we uh, wrap it up? I, th- I think I think that sequence where. Um, they pulled the mechanical or the robotic. I, I don't know the the, the scientific. Yeah, the scientific instrumentation out of the GT40, and Kim Miles does another lap with like these uh, tape. What is it? Yarn and tape um, attached to the vehicle, and yeah. they start to see how uh, the airflow is directed straight up on a certain turn when he's hitting like 180 miles an hour around this Mm -hmm. one, one kind of, uh, turn. And I thought, you know, this film uses that sequence in a trailer where you're like, Oh, he's just kind of sticking it to the man and just being like scientists, you don't know shit. Let me show you what you're talking about. And I was expecting the scientists to kind of like push back against it, but I thought it was really neat that, there's a guy they standing used- there with the binoculars and he's like, oh, I see it. Yeah. And he's just like, <laughs> oh, shit. I see what you're talking about. Huh? That's funny. 
I, if we didn't notice that, you know, and I was just like, well, fuck. <laughs> How about this movie? You know, that was that was definitely a wrinkle where I was just like, you know, it, the marketing kind of sold me on that. But even going into that, you would expect that the scientists would kind of push back against it. Right. And just be like, Oh no, 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 no. You, you know, let, let's do another lab with this machine. Let's just double check it. But no, he's just like, Oh, I see the yarn. Yeah. It's going up. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll have to fix that. You know, it's just like, there's no bones about it. It's, it's a very low tech version of, you know, putting this car through a wind tunnel, but it's definitely just like, Oh, I see what you're talking about. Well, We'll have to do something about that. You know, it's just, it's just one of those low key kind of aspects where, yeah, I, I appreciated the, the filmmaking kind of the, not the filmmaking, maybe more the screenwriting in that aspect where it gave that wrinkle and showed that some of the stuff that Ken Miles is talking about, um, is hard to say no to right he's he's so right about so much in so many aspects which again you know goes back to what i was mentioning where they're spending a shit ton of money but ultimately the race car driver is the one that will uh, hopefully have enough feedback but ken miles is also one of those rare race car drivers where he's working on the prototype like hand and wrench so I'm not sure how many, you know, NASCAR drivers or IndyCar drivers or Formula One drivers there are that are out there that are actually taking a wrench to their own vehicle. You know, um, I think Kim Miles, at least as portrayed in this film, is one of those rare breeds um, that, you know, grew up not having that kind of resource to the point where he was his own pit crew, you know. Um, for a large, large part of his life. So, you know, um, it was not uncommon for him to, uh, tinker around and, and make sure he was getting the best out of his vehicle that he could. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciated that aspect of the film. Michael Snydell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Any uh, aspect of the film you particularly wanted to highlight as a positive before we got out? He he mentioned a couple of things to give Michael credit. I, thanks, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you think of the of the son relationship? Did you did that strike a chord at all? Did it do anything for you? No, I, th- okay. I thought it was okay. <laughs> I, I, I tried to. Do you think that the ch- like the relationship between you know what I'm not even going to fucking ask because I don't want to get into an argument. We're about to clock one of these episodes well below two hours, and I just don't want to. Vroom vroom! Come get, on, get into on, a Brian. giant massive argument with you. No, Come I was going to ask a question oh, related to a different get movie that has a, no, a dad in the thing. But uh, anyway, oh, you're going to pull the dad. Are, are you going to pull uh, as a as a father of daughters? <laughs> no, I was going to say, do you find daughters. the relationship between Ken and his children, you know, more or less fulfilling than the relationship between Neil Armstrong and his children? <laughs> you want to rip first man again? No, that's I why I he, specifically did not finish my question because I was like, I don't want to get into an argument. No, th- that that relationship sucked, too. <laughs> OK, great. That's good. <laughs> It's, I don't it's even know space stuff. I, I like in first man, but 
That's you know. true. You were like all about the space stuff and you were like, oh, all the fatherhood bullshit that Damien Chazelle's clearly more interested in and sucks. But like, I love all the rattling bolts. I did I like the rattling bolts. Yeah. I, I, Them rattling I bolts, like, man. I yeah, they, they don't have enough rattling bolts in, in this movie. Yeah. Uh, this like rattling. Rattling. Part, of, part of that is because <clears throat> that throaty fucking V10. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fantastic. I'm Bill, glad you just we said were... throaty fucking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael, I was really trying hard to whisk us past him saying that before anyone had a chance. And you just Sorry. Had to us to a halt. You motherfucker. Um, anyway, er, once again, earning our explicit throaty tag. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're done. It's been an absolute pleasure. Max. Thank you so much for being a part of this. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This has been one of the more on on subject and yet still somehow insanely off subject <laughs> episodes we've ever done. Um, Ford v. Ferrari is out in theaters now. Check it out if you feel like you'd agree with Bill or Max or I. But if you think that you'd be in the Michael Snydell camp, I guess avoid it. <laughs> That's all for today. Uh, let me remind everyone that we are once again brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema where every day they introduce a new film that you have 30 days to watch. So you have constantly rotating select 30 films. Time of the Wolf is on there now. You can bet that I'm going to watch the shit out of that. And I hope that everyone else does too. Uh, again, you can have a free 30 day trial by going to mubi.com slash film stage. mubi.com slash film stage. And of course, patreon.com slash film stage show to give us your money. And uh, that's about that. So, Mike Snyder, what are we talking about next week? Um. Oh, a lovely day in the neighborhood. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The. Uh, um, oh, geez. Mariel Heller. Uh, it's a bio- beautiful day biopic. In the it's a biopic. Yeah. <laughs> about Mister Rogers. Good times. Um. <laughs> Looking yeah. forward to it. Uh, I finally watched. I finally watched her previous film. Can you was, ever forgive me? Yeah, yeah, it rules. <laughs> you know what sucks though. So, a beautiful day in the neighborhood is based off of um, a an article, like a really good, really long article in Esquire called "Can You Say Hero." Mm. And I wish that we could have the "Can You Cinematic Universe" with "Can You Ever <laughs> Forgive Me" and "Can You Say Hero." That's a real missed opportunity. So we'll be talking about that next week. Looking forward to it. The week to follow, I believe, will be The Irishman and Knives Out, if we can fit both of them in. Yeah, I don't have a social life. Yeah, let's do it. All right, great. Good. Uh, So it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. We got some real interesting uh, things coming up. Can't we share them all with you? Let's tell the fine people at home where it can be found between now and the next time. Max Coville, let's start with you. Yes, I can be found on Twitter at MH Colville, and um, my podcast is out bi-weekly, and you can check me out there. It's the It's the Pitchers podcast. All right, Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, where I'll fight you for the pronunciation of Lamar. Um, and also also make a correction on myself. Lamar. <laughs> Uh, and also make a correction on myself. I called it a throaty fucking V10. It's actually a throaty fucking V8. So, oops. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
so glad that we figured out which throaty fucking it was. All right, Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Snydell, where I'll be waging war on the biopic and apparently biographical drama. Um, and uh, you can also find me I, I'm writing for The Spool lately. I'll have a review of what it, how many blocks is it? 21? 21, 21 Bridges. It's 61 Blocks <laughs> is the movie with uh, Bruce Willis. 21 Bridges. I am so prepared for today. Holy someone, shit. Someone was talking the other day. Apparently that movie used to be called 17 Bridges. And then I guess finally an intern with a map walked in and was like, guys, <laughs> there's actually 21 Bridges. That both but, but really in the movie, did they close 21 or 17? Did the bad guys get away? The other question is, Is it? did it used to be 17 bridges because the, the script has been around for so long that New York has built some new bridges? That's the real question. I'm just <laughs> mad because neither Jeff or Bo is apparently in it. <laughs> <laughs> it took so, me a little while. It took so me a little mad while. at you. <laughs> oh, fuck. Anyway. So that was great. <laughs> Glad we did that. Uh, you can find all my writing at my personal site, brightgeron.com, also thefilmstage.com, where you can also find every episode of this here podcast. I can be found on every social media site at Brian J. Rowan. And uh, that's about it. So join us you're, next. You're auditioning to be the DP for the next Malik film, right? Yeah, I've been shooting a lot of 16 millimeter <laughs> Uh, lens lens is 16 millimeter the, the not the not the film stock but anyway yeah i've been shooting a shit ton of wide angle photography and i'm just like terry i'm getting real good with this wide angle lens you should give and, me and a natural shot. light yeah give me a shot i can make this work for both of us my instagram occasionally does appear to be a terrence malick film because like i'll take a shot of my daughter like at her level like as she's just running towards the sun and I'm just like, yeah, this is two seconds of a four-hour Terrence Malick film right here. Anyway, so happy we were able to get that final joke in. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us, and tune in next week. <laughs>